Now, today we're going to open the Bible to the book of Romans, the book of Romans. If you were here last week, we talked about the, the fact that man is not a body with a spirit and a soul, but, but man is a spirit with a body and a soul, not a body with a soul and a spirit. We are a spirit and we worship him in spirit and in truth. Today, I'm going to read to you from the writings of Paul to the, in Romans to the church at Rome. And the scripture is quite lengthy and I'm going to ask you and I'll spend a little more time reading it and I'll make up time in explaining it to us. But I want us to hold to the scripture, listen intently to what we're fixing to read, because this is one of those passages, if you just pay attention, it almost answers all the questions that you might find yourself asking. So turn in the book of Romans to the eighth chapter. You can look on the screen. You can bring it up on your iPhone, whatever is best for you. If you are away from here, I hope you have some access to the scripture, but I want you to listen as I want to talk to you today about religion versus relationships, religion versus relationships. A lot of people don't understand religion's one thing and relationships another thing. Relationship is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Religions, there's all kinds of religions. And one of the things that before I read the scripture that I would like to suggest to you for your prayerful consideration, and that is that when you think about the religions of the world and you think about the Christianity, Judaism, uh, if if it is uh, the Muslim religion, Buddhism, uh, Christian scientists, you just name the religion. All of those religions are a result of man trying to get a grip on what does the scripture teach about getting together. Now, here is the key. I would charge you today, encourage you, if you're going to study religions, that the first thing you do is find out who the founder of that religion was. Then you study all the data on that person, whether it's Muhammad or Buddha, or whoever you so choose. Learn the person that introduced the religion and in your study, look at Jesus. See who he is. See what he did. See all the things that related to Jesus. Now, you don't want to be like some religion, including the Christian religion. You want to be like Jesus if you choose to be a Christian. If you're going to be a Buddhist, you want to be like Buddha. If you're going to be a Muslim, you want to be like Muhammad. Now, if you're going to be like them, know who they are. Know the absolute facts about their life, and then you can help make a good decision. Now, the way we look at it today is, in trying to separate religion from a relationship, there is the Christian faith is a personal relationship with Jesus. Facts, born of a virgin, lived a life without sin. He was one that laid his life down. Nobody took it from him, but he laid his life down 
to pay for the sins of those that would follow him if they chose to follow him because that what he, that's what he was sent here to do was to give his life as a ransom for many. Now the Bible says he went around doing good, that he knew no sin. He prayed for those that were executing him at the cross. The soldiers that stood there said, we've never crucified a person like this. It died like he died. But three days later, he rose from a grave. 40 days he went around, he showed people, those that were doubters saw the risen, resurrected. They saw his execution and then they heard him speak. And then 40 days after he ascended to heaven. He is in heaven now. One day he's coming again. Now, while he's there, he left the Holy Spirit. We talked about that extensively last week. That spirit moves among us. That spirit is available but that spirit is very important. I want to read to you from chapter eight of Romans, 18 verses. There are eight, 17 times the word spirit is used and one time spirituality is used in these verses. Now I want you to just think as you read or listen to me read the passage. This is not something it takes a tremendous amount of biblical knowledge to understand if you just take the scripture for what the Holy Spirit wanted it to say when it was given to Paul to write it to the Romans, the ones that had crucified our Lord. Now listen carefully as I read from Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore, and let me stop here as we do often. Anytime you see the word therefore, you want to know what is it therefore. Got that? Okay, now let's, let's pay attention. There is therefore now, not then, not future, now, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but listen, but after the spirit. We have a spiritual relationship. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. We walk to another set of laws. We now live by grace through faith. That's what it's saying. Verse three, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. What he said was nobody ever got saved memorizing the 10 commandments and keeping them. That didn't work. Never has, never will. But God's grace is sufficient. Now that's what he's saying here. Jesus had to come and pay for our sin. Verse four, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Now we're starting down different roads. There's the road of the flesh and the road of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind, listen to this, is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. I have to stop and say, am I living in the flesh? Am I living in the spirit? Because if I'm in the flesh, I can't please God. Verse 9. But you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Okay, now, there's we can know, does the spirit of God dwell in us? You keep thinking about you. I'm thinking about me. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. You know what the spirit of Christ was? Do you have it? 
If not, says we're none of his. Verse 10, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus. Verse 11, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. How does a person change? By the spirit of God, not by making up their mind or determined will to change the way they live, but the spirit of God living in them. For if you live after the flesh, you'll die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you're going to live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. Beautiful verses there. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received, you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness now with our spirit that we're the children of God. And if children, then we're heirs. We're heirs of God. We're joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, if you're from the South, you love that 18th verse. It seems as though Paul visited the South when he wrote that. He said, for I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I grew up with that word. Everybody knew it, use it. Well, I reckon this, I reckon. Well, I reckon it's gonna rain today. I reckon whatever. Well, seriously, look at it. The suffering of this present time aren't worthy to be compared to the glory that's coming through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now listen to me carefully. I've never felt God call me to argue religions, nor did he save me for that purpose. I don't spend any of my time arguing with anybody of any other religion. You can pick any religion you want, include the Christianity religion. You can be a, a knowledgeable and believe the Christian religion and not know the Savior. God has called and saved me and you, if you're a believer, to share Christ in us, which is the hope of glory. The thing that I want you to have is a peace that passes all understanding. What I want you to know when you come to a gathering like this, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are one of a kind. And that God has a plan for your life. He needs you. You are right where he wants you to be. The people you influence, whether there's many or few, whether they're older than you or younger than you, God has put you where he has put you in order that he can reveal himself to others through you. And through the spirit that is in you that you invited to come into your life. Now that spirit is in you and what you have in you is what people need. They don't need to be like you, but they need to be like the one that is in you that they see live their life out through you. When you read the Old Testament, you learn that the national prosperity and victory of the nation followed obedience to God. To disobey God brought defeat and famine. Listen carefully to what I'm fixing to say. I'm trying to say this today in both services as clearly as I can say it and not confuse you. But I want you to hear me very, very carefully. The future of America and your life personally does not depend on politics. It does not depend on the financial system. It does not depend upon 
any of that stuff that we think, if we could just elect this, if we could just do this, if we could just vote that, if we could just pass this law. No, sir. The God is looking for a nation whose heart is perfect towards him. And it doesn't matter who sits as king or president or, or queen or whatever. That's not the key. The key is the body of Christ becoming the family of God and being what God wants them to be. That happens to be the church by his choosing. Not anybody puts a sign up, but a church is a place where God dwells. And he dwells in the hearts and the lives of the people that attend there. And the people that know God want other people to know God. And they want more than their great knowledge of the Holy Word, which has a place, but it doesn't take preeminence on people seeing Jesus in your life. And the hope of America is a revival of the people of God to get their priorities right again. Anytime you look at a poll today on any of the news media and you're in the majority, you're probably on the wrong side because the Bible never said we'd be in the majority. It says few there are, narrow is the gate, and few there are going to find it. When the Spirit of God comes into you, it's not about secularism. It is about the hope that is in Jesus Christ. He is alive. This generation, the young people of this generation could see revival in their lifetime. If we don't see revival, the days are short. We're not seeing much encouragement, but we're seeing some. I saw 11 encouragements this morning. There are people coming to Christ. There are families that are becoming one in Christ. We are seeing grandfathers, grandmothers, moms, dads, children, aunts, uncles, nephews, nieces coming to the Lord and families being saved, not only at Sagemont, but in various places of the world. But the point is, it's the Spirit of God that brings hope. And that's what Paul is saying here over and over and over that we're in bondage. The spirit sets us free. It is Christ in us that is the hope of glory. Religious ceremonies are all wrong. All of them, including that one and communion. If it's just a religious ceremony. I've used to have calls all the time. I preach so long and some of them heard me preach. They don't ask me anymore. <laughs> Don't call me and ask me if we have open communion or closed communion or how many spiritual gifts do you have and what spiritual gift do you teach in Sagemont? That's not, that's not the issue. God can give any gift to anybody in any dispensation he chooses to. He's God and I'm not. He can give to you whatever he wants to give you, but the devil will counterfeit anything he'll give to you. And you've got to know the difference between a real spiritual gift and a counterfeit gift. A real gift will bring glory to God and it'll bring unity to a church. Counterfeit gifts will bring attention to you and it'll split the church right down the middle. And churches all over the world are split into a thousand pieces because of spiritual people that think they're spiritual that have come in and destroyed the church not understanding that he must have preeminence. He is God. He is Lord. He'll do with his church what he wants to. That's a big difference, folks, from all this religious stuff. While we argue about, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Methodist, I'm a Pentecostal, I'm a Church of Christ, I'm a this, I'm a that. That's all religion. You say, well, which one goes back to Jesus? None of them that are organized like that. Jesus is Jesus. And you know how it's come to you? Through his kids. From generation to generation from generation. 
If somebody looks like Jesus and acts like Jesus and tells you about Jesus, don't ask them what church they go to and what's their denominational affiliation. <laughs> Just love on Jesus. Just love on Jesus, okay? But ceremonies in and of themselves are futile. Religion that lies in a set of believing a bunch of dogmas is wrong and not real faith. God in us, again, is the hope. It is not what we profess, but it's what we possess. Big difference. It's not what comes out the mouth, but what flows out of the heart. Some have said the gospel of Jesus Christ is useless. In other words, there are people of all religions of the world that said the cross is not that important. A lot of people hate the cross. But the Bible says that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those that perish. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 1.18. Paul wrote that too, just like he wrote Romans. So I want to assert to you this morning that the gospel of Christ that is professed by the Lord Jesus, or that is possessed in the heart that was a gift from the Lord Jesus Christ is real. It's real, it's real. I know it's real. Because one day it happened to many of us in this building right now. We've never looked back and wondered, did a change take place that day in my life? It's real. It's real because there's a real living God today. Always has been and always will be. It's not fiction to those that have experienced it. God to some is a divine attraction. A lot of people like to talk about, I revere God. I talk to God every morning. I do this, I do that. You know what makes us righteous? Not that, but letting God live in our life. Just saying, I'm up, <laughs> reporting for duty. Speak, Lord, thy servant hears. Tell me what you want me to do. And he tells you, say, what? Oh, Lord, I'd like to, but I've got another appointment today. And of course, we have some more spiritual names. I have a prior commitment. See, that's got a little spiritual. That word commitment, that sounds like a spiritual word. So I got a prior commitment. I'm going fishing, you know. <laughs> I've got to go to a ball game, you know. And uh, I've got a domino game I can't miss or whatever. No, 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 no. When Christ comes to live in you, you think like him, you act like him. The priorities are his priorities. And the first thing you know, you find yourself stopping some things that you used to enjoy. If you ask a person that really knows the Lord, how do you know that God is real? You know, only thing that they can say, you ask me how I know he re he's real and that he's alive, he lives within my heart. That's all I know. There's just something about the forgiving nature of Christians. There's something about the unconditional love of Christians. It's something about the generosity that's in a Christian. There, there's something about wanting to make things right with people that have wronged you or that you have wronged. There's something about it in Christians. There's something about taking the sanctity of marriage and looking at it very closely. The sanctity of human life and looking at it very closely. There's something about those things that the world has decided we're going that way and the Holy Spirit inside says, but no, this is the way, walk in it. When I was a child, I felt my guilt before God. I can still remember it. I didn't know all the sins that I knew 10 years later or 50 years later. 
But I knew there was something wrong. And as a little child, I just admitted it. I wasn't a perfect child. I was not one that did everything right. Never have been, and I never will, because all of us are sinners. But by the same token, I had people that convinced me that God loved me anyway. And I'm so glad I met them when I was seven instead of when I'm 70. There's something about coming to know the Lord soon. I challenge you to bring any person to me that's ever come to the Lord, any of your friends, whether you're 12 years old, 18 years old, 25 years old, and said, I came to Jesus one day. I knew I was a lost sinner. I came to Jesus. I gave my heart to Christ. I was born again. And it's the worst thing that ever happened to me. I've never met the first one, not the first one. I have met tens of thousands that said, one day, by the grace of God, God came into my life. One day, I was just about to end it all, and I turned to the other direction. My wife has been in the hospital this past week. She's witnessing to everything up there, and uh, came in the room, and she said to this the young lady that was taking care of her, she said, this is my husband. I want you to talk to him a minute, and she went back and closed the door. And this beautiful girl, wonderful nurse, started telling me a story about when she was born that her face was disformed and her father paid no attention to her because there was a, a child that was beautiful and she was, looked like she was deformed. You couldn't tell it now. She's just drop dead beautiful. But she began to tell the story of how rejected she had felt for 20 something years and started talking about boyfriends and boyfriends are different than what they were when I was a kid. You know, that term was just thrown around. It's, she's my girlfriend. She's my boyfriend kind of stuff. We won't go into that right now. But, we, but that's what she mentioned. But you know what? When she just started feeling loved and feeling special, you could just see the love of God just beginning to engulf her. That she was wanting to know, does God really love me? Because at 27, you got some more years to live, you'd think. That's what happened to you. If it hasn't, it needs to. That's what church is about. It's not for you to meet friends. It's for you to meet him. It's for you to meet people that are going this way towards him and they're going towards him and they can maybe introduce you somewhere along the way. But church is not about social circles. The church is about making Jesus Lord and then saying, Lord, what would you have us to do? And then get out and get it done. Troubles have come in all of our lives that are believers. But after the storm, the sun came up. Comfort comes. Property vanished. Our name was slandered. Business went bad. But you found a peace that passes all understanding. A couple of days ago, as I was finishing up this message, I thought of a, of a story that I felt comfortable to tell now without using any names. But several years ago, a man that I highly respected dearly loved and he and I had had a lot of quality time together called me on the phone I could tell by his voice that it was not the same voice I could tell that he was very distraught he said would you come to my office as soon as you can I need to talk to you and within 30 minutes I was sitting across the desk from my friend I didn't know what had happened but what had happened shocked me as he simply said, John, thank you for coming. I just wanted to visit with you a minute. He said, I've just been told by my accountants 
that our business is going to be bankrupt in just a few weeks. And he said, I'm going to lose everything I have personally and corporately, it appears. And he said, the reason I called you up here, now listen, this is the reason I'm telling this story, was not to pray that God would change that. But here's what he said. He said, John, you know, I got three kids. And he said, from the time they were born, daddy had everything he wanted and mama. And money was never a problem. They've had everything they've ever needed. I'm fixing to lose it. And he said, here's what I want you to pray. He said, would you pray that my impact on their life as the way I handle this will be of such a Christian quality that they will see that God's grace is sufficient and a life doesn't consist of the things a family possesses. And that was the person for me coming. He held that position. And the story of Job could be completed there because although it looked like that day, there was no hope. The miracles came. The test was passed. The business boomed more than it ever did. That person with the Lord now, well done, my good and faithful servant. You were faithful. I put you through the test, but you passed. You just wanted to glorify me. That's what Christianity is about. Listen, you're seeing all of these stars. You name the, you name the, the vocation, the stars are falling. I don't mean those stars. I mean the sports world, the entertainment world, the wrestling world. This was on yesterday and Roddy Piper is gone to be with the Lord, 61 with a, with a heart problem. Hey, life is brief and soon will be past and only what's done for Christ is going to last. Christ in us is the only hope. Don't just come and get all the knowledge up here and never invite him to come into your heart. Understand, it's not you trying to figure it out. Well, it's the way that seems right unto a man, the Bible says, but the end thereof is the way of death. You can be sincere, but be sincerely wrong. But if you trust Christ as your Savior and just say, Lord, here am I. If I live, I live unto the Lord. If I die, I die unto the Lord. Whether I live or whether I die, I am yours. God Tell me what you want me to do. That's when the gift of teaching can come to you. That's when the gift of mercy comes to you. That's when those spiritual gifts come and you use them to bring glory to God and to bring joy to the heart of others. Peace comes when you trust the Lord totally. Christians have had, like my friend, their brightest days when they were walking through their deepest valleys. If what I've said this morning is a lie, you have a right to doubt it. But if it's the truth, I want to encourage you today to learn more about the gospel. And the way you do it is to be born again. You've got to have Christ in you before you understand the way he thinks and what he does and how he handles situations. He will... He will Speak to his children the message that he wants them to hear if you'll just trust him. Only trust him. Only trust him. He'll save you. He'll save you now. It was an invitation we sang all of my lifetime. He says in Revelation 1, 8, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. John 3, 16, whosoever believes shall not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, 16. John 10, 28, and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never, never perish. Neither shall anybody ever pluck them out of my hand. 
In Romans 8, 1, I read to you as we began this morning, there is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit.